Welcome, welcome, one and all. Thank you so much for returning for the second episode of The Realist Realtor, hosted by myself, Carmelita Turner, The Realist Realtor You Know. I want to thank everyone who listened to our flagship and very first episode last week. I got some amazing feedback as a result of that. Many lives were blessed, uh, for which I'm grateful. A lot of families reconnected. They're having dialogue and courageous conversations about property, specifically heirs' property that they have within their family, many of whom I know personally are meeting with estate planning professionals so that they can move forward and protect their family assets, some of whom have also asked me to represent them in purchasing additional properties, as well as land that may neighbor the family land that they own. So I always appreciate new client attraction for which I am always humble and very grateful. So I'm I'm happy that so many people were blessed last week. So I would say that is a success. Um, I always love to try to bring in quotes and readings that kind of speak to me and speak to my character. And I came across a quote recently from Rob Lowe. And he said, let me say this, being a trailblazer is often overrated. (laughs) I had to laugh so much at that because I do deem myself somewhat of um, a trailblazer. I'm someone who advocates quite a bit in the background but I know that what I do serves a purpose and it does bless others. And I know it is my responsibility to do just that. So let's jump right into the second part of So You Say You Want to Secure the Bag. Last week, I shared with you a story from ProPublica that they featured back in July of this year. And it was in reference to two brothers, Melvin and LaCurtis Reels, and their mom, uh, Gertrude, who basically not only had lost a very rich and significant portion of their family land located in Carteret County, North Carolina. And for those of you who may have looked that up or may not have looked that up, Carteret County, North Carolina is basically that entire coastal region of North Carolina. Um, I believe there's a national park there, Croatan National Park. If you were to drive through my father's um, place of birth and where his family resides, the best family, shout out to my family there in Wilson, North Carolina, you could cut over um, to get down to Carteret County, um, where the county seat is uh, Buford. So it is a very rich part um, of North Carolina, rich in resources, tourism, uh, things of that nature. And This particular family, the Reels family, not only had gone through the trauma of losing a very significant portion of their land unaware, but also the imprisonment of the two brothers, Melvin and LaCurtis, for a very long time without being charged for a crime, they were imprisoned for a civil contempt charge nothing that it's not a crime, and uh, served quite a bit of time in jail before they were released. 
they actually hold the record for being the longest serving inmates on a civil contempt charge in the history of this country, which is unbelievable. And all they were doing was fighting to preserve the land of their family. We talked a lot about the importance of estate planning last week and how that plays into securing the bag for yourself and for your family. I asked you last week to kind of jot down some notes. Let me say it would be my good pleasure for you to not only like this episode, please share this episode, leave me a voice recording or a question if you would like. I do plan on sharing resources so that you and your family can connect with individuals that I will call friends of the podcast and begin estate planning to protect yourself and your family. And like I said last week, um, it doesn't mean that you've got millions and millions that you need to leave to others, but there are so many things that go into estate planning. So it is important that you connect with those professionals. At the end of last week, we were talking about their Uncle Shade, oh, Shady Shade, Shadrach. And um, I asked you to remember the name of the attorney that Shade had hired, Claude Wheatley III. He was the attorney that represented the brother of Gertrude's father. So that would have been the grandfather of Melvin and the Curtis. And he basically represented the Reels family against Shade's maneuver that worked, his legal maneuver nonetheless, that worked as far as carving out the most valuable portion of the property there on Silver Dollar Road for himself, which was the waterfront property. So here's the interesting thing. As we mentioned last week, Gertrude Melvin LeCurtis, Gertrude's brother, Calvin, Calvin was um, appointed the family representative to handle the legal matters. But all of them, as well as a cousin by the name of Raphael, showed up for this hearing where Shade basically had served them with papers saying, hey, listen, this is my land. You're on my land. Illegally, you need to get off. So Claude Wheatley III, and remember I said he was the son of a very prominent and well-connected lawyer in that area, represented the family. The family recalls that at the end of that hearing, and I quote, no one in the family thought at the end of the day that it was his land and we were going to walk away from it forever. So the family was under the impression at the end of that hearing that, hey, everything was good to go. Well, here's what's funny about good old Claude Wheatley III. Wheatley tells a totally different story, and you will see why in just a moment. He said that based on his recollection, he was like, that Torrens hearing, and remember we talked about the Torrens law, he said that Torrens hearing was so chaotic. He said that it was just a mess from start to finish, but that ultimately the heirs had agreed to give shade the land. Huh? Don't you think people coming to court to fight for their land would remember if they had agreed to give shade the land that they were showing up in court to fight for, that they had paid and retained Claude Wheatley III to protect them uh, in reference to? 
And here's here's the unfortunate thing, air quote, air quote. Shade, of course, has subsequently died. Okay? So Shade, the person, the one heir who was able to be manipulated, and you'll see by whom shortly, filed for this portion of land through this Torrens Act, was able to acquire this land, and the lawyer protecting the Reels family said, hey, listen, they agreed to give the land to Shade. When Wheatley was pressed by ProPublica, he conceded that not all the heirs liked the outcome. Oh, okay, no, wait a minute. You can't have it both ways here, Claude. Either everybody agreed to give Shade this land or they didn't. So he's saying, yeah, well, you know, they really didn't like the outcome. But here's what he ultimately said. Calvin, who was the family appointee in all things legal, had consented. Claude went on to say that he would have been upset if Calvin had notified the family. He said that he generally, generally, that there's that word generally, he said he generally doesn't get involved in those things without having a family representative in charge. Well, of course, Calvin was in charge. Calvin was not the only voice or vote. So basically, at the end of the day, he said that he never had a written agreement. This is important. He never had a written agreement with Calvin, just a conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, there are no legally binding conversations. Now, there are such things as oral contracts and certain things have to be demonstrated, but they are hard to uphold and hard to prove. Always make sure that you get things in writing. Unfortunately, that's not what happened here. Calvin is saying he has had this conversation. I'm sorry, Claude is saying he had this conversation with Calvin. And then guess what? Shortly after the hearing, Calvin dies. So now the key person for the family who would be able to either confirm or dispute what Claude Wheatley III is saying is now deceased. The Reels family, though, you know, they didn't know it yet, had lost the rights to the shoreline. They had no idea. They thought that everything was fine when they left that Torrance hearing. They did not all recall what Claude had recalled. So much so, LaCurtis had set up a trailer um, on the land and um, back in 77, before all this stuff even happened. So, you know, they remained there. They, they had no reason to think they had to leave because at the end of that hearing, they thought everything was okay. And then lo and behold, in 1982, Melvin and Gertrude receive a trespassing notice from Shade. Now, this is before Shade passed, but they received this trespassing notice from Shade. So they were like, what in the world is this all about? So, you know, they took it to a lawyer and the lawyer informed them that Shade now legally owned 13 acres of shoreline on their 65-acre plot. And they were shocked. They, they couldn't believe it because they were like, well, how can that be? This claim has no validity. And half of the tenants that Shade had listed as people who continuously possessed the land and, and stood in, in his stead as tenants were people they didn't even know or even recognize. He had names on there like 
Mitchell Reel's boy. Well, who is Mitchell Reel's boy? <laughs> Julian Leonard. You know, Gertrude, the, the, the mom, she said she had never heard of these people. She had a sister named Julia and a brother named Leonard, but they didn't know anybody named Julia Leonard that had ever lived on that waterfront. So again, you're seeing how all these things can be manipulated and how easy it is to tell um, a half-truth or just outright lie and take land when given the right incentive. So the lawyer that had granted the land to Shade had also never reported, let's, look, let's listen to this, the original court ruling that Gertrude had won. And he should have done that, but he never reported the fact that she had won a court ruling saying that the land was theirs. So now, because of all of these things, you see this series of unfortunate events. Now, time has elapsed. It's outside of the time frame allowable. And now Shade's ownership is impossible to overturn. You have a one-year window to appeal a Torrance decision in North Carolina. The family had missed it by two years. Well, isn't that a winky-dink Shade? On top of that, they didn't even know that they needed to contest it because at the end of the hearing with Claude Wheatley III representing them, they thought that everything was okay. And what do you think Shay did shortly thereafter? He sold that land to developers. Where I dare, dare say, ladies and gentlemen, that that was probably part of Shay's plan from the beginning because all that time goes by, he never wanted any land, but I'm sure these developers were able to get into his ear and convince him to go after this parcel of land and then sell it to them immediately once he had secured a hearing. This is why estate planning is important. But listen, as we are on the eve of the holiday, Thanksgiving, a lot of families will be coming together. And what families really need to do is talk to each other, really sit at the feet of the matriarchs and the patriarchs and really have courageous conversations with each other about, hey, you know what? Are there some things that we need to tie up, loose ends that we need to look into, especially for our loved ones who are aging so that we are making sure that everything for them is in place and that everything is taken care of now. I'm sure you've heard this saying before, give me my flowers while I'm alive. So it, it, that's the same thing when it comes to real estate planning. Put everything into the type of trust or LLC or organize it however it needs to go so that upon your transition, everything is already taken care of. There is nothing left as an outlier that's vulnerable to speculators and developers and people with ill intent that will then take away the legacy of your last name, that will take away the wealth building foundation and power of your family. I'm going to share a couple of examples with you that I found very interesting in this ProPublica article. They talked about so many different people that this has happened to um, in many Southern states. And I now let me say, it happens all over the country. Just go to a tax lien sale at your nearest courthouse and, and you'll see how these things transpire daily. 
But they referenced a woman by the name of Wendy Reed, and she um, lives in Somerville, South Carolina. And they were saying that how in 2012, she was late paying $83.81 in taxes on the lot that she lived on. She had lived there for four decades. Four decades she had lived there. And this former state politician, someone who obviously knows the laws, by the name of Thomas Limehouse, who also loaned luxury hotels nearby her land, he bought her property at a tax sale for $2,000, all because she was late paying $83.81. So he bought it for about an eighth of the value. She had a year to redeem her property. But when she tried to pay her debt, the officials told her that she couldn't buy the land back because she wasn't officially listed as her grandmother's heir. My gosh, she said they she'd have to go through the probate court. So again, when someone when when you have these heirs properties and it it just passes on, passes on, passes on to the heirs, and no one takes the time to set up the property the way that is necessary to have it clearly deeded uh, through going through a title process, then you have to go through probate, which is a whole nother animal in and of itself. So she would have to go through the probate court. And here's where she faced another obstacle. So in South Carolina, heirs in South Carolina have 10 years in order to do uh, probate after you know the death of the owner. Well, guess what? Her grandmother had been dead 30 years. So she couldn't she couldn't pay the debt and get the property back because she wasn't listed as an heir. And she couldn't go through probate because it was 20 years beyond her grandmother's death. I mean, 20 years beyond the timeline. Her grandmother had been dead for 30 years. She only had 10 years. All because she didn't pay $83.81. So now we start to see where issues of socioeconomic um low socioeconomic ability comes into play, lack of education comes into play. There are just so many things that happen here. For $83.81, she lost the land that she had lived on for four decades to a man who wanted to build more luxury hotels. And to not probate the estate and not pay the taxes shouldn't be a reason for a special dispensation. When you let things go, you can't blame the county. This is what Limehouse, the former state attorney, I mean, I'm sorry, the former state um, politician had the arrogance to say. He had the arrogance to say that. Well, you know, and I can probably see him chewing some snuff while he was saying it. However, here again, you know, she, um, she's been fighting in court and she said that she's still not leaving. She said they're going to have to pack her stuff up and put her off the land. But I, I think, unfortunately, eventually, you know, she will she will lose out. She will have to go. And that's just really the worst thing ever, over $83 and a few cents. I just can't believe it. There's another uh, example they gave in 1968 of a person by the name of uh, Billy Dean Brown. And he's a partner in a real estate investment company called Adams Creek Associates. The thing about Billy Dean Brown is that Billy Dean Brown was the person that bought Shade's waterfront plot, unseen, unseen. He bought a site unseen to divide and sell. 
he knew the power of that Torrance title. He knew that all he had to do was get one person, one person to carry out exactly what Shay did. And then immediately he would swoop in, give him a little piece of change and have a valuable piece of land. Guess who he hired in 2000 <laughs> to represent him? None other than Claude Wheatley III. That's right, Claude Wheatley III, the man that had originally represented the Reels family in the Torrance hearing. That same man who said, well, listen, I don't recall it the way they recall it. I recall Calvin having a conversation with me and saying that everybody just agreed to give the land to shade, even though everyone's not happy about it. Hmm. See, now, now that to me should be a blatant um, conflict of interest. When the Reels family tried to bring that up, as Clark Wheatley is now trying to evict them, the judge denied the motion. The judge said that it was not a clear conflict of interest. Really? I don't know uh, <laughs> how much clarity that judge was looking for, but it definitely is very, very suspicious. So now Wheatley is representing the company that uh, manipulated Shade. Now at this point, Shade is dead and uh, is now going through the process of evicting the Reels family, the same family that at one point he was charged or paid, excuse me, paid, let's be real clear, paid to protect. So, you know, so from there, as, as, I had mentioned at the start of the first podcast, everything just went downhill. And so basically they just kept getting hit back to back to back to back with trespassing orders, which then led to that civil contempt. So all of these things that are that are coming out and the things that ProPublica shared in this article are very important, very important for us to know about and to really act on so that we are protecting ourselves and our families. Now, let me tell you about another little mechanism that's used quite a bit, and then I'm going to give you some statistics and resources. There's another mecha legal, legal mechanism that people will use a lot as well to um, dispossess heirs' property, which means get it out of the possession of the heirs and get it into their own greedy hands, and it's called a partition action. So what happens in heirs' property, like I said, is like, you know, as the generations and generations move on, heirs tend to disperse, right? We're a mobile society. So people grow up, they, they move places, they lose connection. And what happens is speculators, of course, start sniffing around, checking public records, things of that nature. And all these speculators and developers need to do is have one single heir just like in this case with shade, they only need one heir, one, that's it, to sell their portion of the land. And then they enact this partition action, meaning that because they own that one part, they found a willing participant in the family. They then go to court to petition the court to force the sale of the entire parcel of land. So what that does is basically if one heir decides to sell, the whole property could very well go to auction 
at a price that none of them could pay. And, and you have to also think about this too with the Reels family and that prime real estate, that waterfront property. Now that we know Shade sold it to a developer, once they started developing condos and, and, and docks and things on that land, what happens to the taxes? They go up. So even if the family stayed there throughout all this new development, but their taxes went up, here we go again, back to the fact that they still would run the risk of losing the land because a great majority of people with heirs property are land rich and cash poor. Let me say that again. They are land rich, but they are cash poor. So that means, yeah, they may have all this land that has been in their family all this time, but the cash needed to really protect the land and protect their family, they really may not have. They just may not have it. And unfortunately, it will then lead to some of the devastating events that we've seen, not just in the lives of the Reels family and the Reels brothers, but in many, many families all over the country. So they talked about the fact that in Carteret County alone, they said hundreds of partition actions have been filed, hundreds of them. Carteret County has a population of about 70,000, and it has one of the highest per capita rates in the state of partition actions. So remember, a partition action just means you only need one person. When ProPublica went through all the records in that county, it found that in the past decade, 42% of the partition action cases involved Black families, despite the fact that Black families only make up 6% of Carteret's population. So heirs not only regularly lose their land, guess what they're then also re required to pay to add insult to injury? They lose their land and they're required to pay the legal fees of those who bring the partition cases against them. My gosh, my gosh. I, I tell you, it just, you know, every time I, I see this information, it just infuriates me. It infuriates me. Lack of secure ownership. It locks Black families out of the wealth in their property. It really does. And when I talk about the wealth in your property, I'm talking about, again, the trees the dirt, the land, the water resources, the timber, the natural resources that can be found on that property. Properties are rich in many, many things, many, many things. People can take a property and just maximize the output from that property. Okay. So I, I will unfortunately say that even today, the Reels family is still in a state of fighting for their family land. Now, this is this article was back in July of 2019. I definitely, you know, pray their strength and perseverance. Um, and I and I do hope that for families like the Reels, um, they are able to find just the right combination of people to help them. I think that now that more eyes are on situations like theirs and others around the country. There are more groups mobilizing to act against these things. I want to end this conversation about the family before I give out the resources with a, a quote, actually, that I came across from a member 
of their family, a younger, a member of the younger generation of the Reels family. And she was commenting and giving gratitude to ProPublica for bringing attention to the plight of her family. And so she basically said, thank you all for reading the story and for the open dialogue it has created. I'm one of the younger heirs to the property, and this land dispute has certainly opened many of our eyes. While our ancestors may have been uneducated when it came to the law, I don't think that there was enough education, legal jargon, or legal documentation that could be produced to stop men in power from taking what they wanted. I dare not make this a race issue, but it is a fact that there are certainly things in play here in which, unfortunately, race is a factor. I come from a long line of proud people, and those men, my uncles, are some of the proudest and most hardworking men on earth. That land has been the one thing that has kept our family together, and my fondest childhood memories were made at that waterfront, from family reunions to baptisms. That was always our safe haven. She said, I pray that you all will share this story, not just for my family, but for many other Americans of all races who may be or have had a similar experience. I thought that was a very powerful way to end this dialogue about the reels and and just about the importance of estate planning. Everybody talks about wanting to secure the bag. With all desires, there is a process. There are things that must be done. There's work that has to be put in. So one of the things that I said, I really wanted to make sure that I did. Um, Like I said, so many people reached out to me after the first podcast and asked for resources or asked me to assist with many other things. And so I thank you. And what I want to do right now is provide some resources that people can act on quickly. Number one, please know that you can always connect with me directly at call Carmelita, C-A-L-L-C-A-R-M as in Mary, E-L-L-I-T-A at gmail.com. I would love for you to follow me on my YouTube channel, Carmelita's Corner. Please subscribe, ring that notification bell so that you'll know when I'm live and sharing uh, videos and helpful tips. Um, Also, you can find me on Instagram, call Carmelita for Real Estate, as well as on Facebook, call Carmelita for Real Estate. And I would love for you to connect with me there. Please feel free to send me questions as well there. um, And I can also send over resources in many different areas. As I was preparing to do this series, I I have seen so much estate planning information from all over the globe, Singapore, California, Minnesota, everywhere. People are having these conversations and so should we. However, I happen to be located in the DMV area, Northern Virginia, District of Columbia, Maryland. And so for today, I'm going to shout out a friend of the podcast, someone that uh, doesn't even expect this shout out. Because one of the things that I believe in, even though our podcast has uh, a few silent backers for whom we are grateful, we're always open and looking for new sponsors. 
um, for our podcast. So we would love to have you reach out to us, to our team, uh, to sponsor the podcast. However, I'm also a person who doesn't deem it robbery to shout out other businesses that are out here in the world doing great things. And today's resource that I will offer for the DMV area is Cheryl Chapman from the law offices of Cheryl Chapman Henderson. You can, I I love that her her firm is a law for God firm. Um, Cheryl is out here doing phenomenal things and she offers estate planning courses twice a month that focus on wills and trusts, probate, asset protection, Medicaid and nursing home issues, as well as special needs planning. That, of course, is very near and dear to my heart. Of course, I was a 23-year educator and um, public administrator, educational administrator, and special ed is my background. So special needs planning is also a very important area, especially as we have special needs Um, children who become special needs adults. And families need to feel secure that there's a plan in place to address the needs of those family members as well. So I encourage you to to find Cheryl's next event, uh, which she's uh, offering. You can find her on Eventbrite. Um, It's a workshop, Your Authority, Your Estate Plan. plan. She does it the first Tuesdays at 1.30 and third Tuesdays at 4.30. Again, Law Office of Cheryl Chapman Henderson. I know that Cheryl also had something coming up with uh, First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. So maybe you can also find that event there. Um, But she is definitely from the folks that I have talked to and reached out to. And hopefully Cheryl might reach out to me. She didn't even know that I was spotlighting her, but I did talk to many people that she has blessed. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, you may be able to attend the event there at Glen Arden. So she is a resource here in the DMV area. I have an entire list of other attorneys, other estate planning professionals. Please just connect with me, reach out to me directly that I can send over to you. Again, like I said, these are all friends of the podcast, people who have supported me for years, um, who definitely have had my back as I have had theirs and for whom I'm very grateful. And I also have watched them serve relentlessly to support individuals in their areas of expertise. So that is, those are the folks that I like recommending to our audience, people that have a proven record, who stand on integrity, who are true to what they say, that I've vetted over the years. And like I said, they are now friends of the podcast. And I'm so grateful. I've got a lot of wonderful friends of the podcast. I want to thank you guys again for allowing me to have this intimate conversation with you as we end part two of the second episode of the Realist Realtor podcast, sponsored by myself, Carmelita Turner, the Realist Realtor you know. Please connect with me on all my social media platforms and do know that I will continue bringing information that will help you and your family make informed decisions. Again, the greatest investment on earth is earth. Please connect with me. I would be honored to assist you in all your needs with real estate, estate planning, credit, and legacy wealth building. In all things, be blessed. We'll see you next week. Same time, 3 p.m every Wednesday.